Well, Grace 412 listeners, I'm sure you probably thought that we forgot about you. That is not the case. Uh, between quarantine and trips and uh, life group breaks, we have just been a little bit absent, but we are back on the ball now and excited about this new series that we started last night called Between Two Worlds. Uh, on Sunday mornings, we've been going through this series in the book of Romans chapter 12, and we're just kind of doubling that up here in our student ministries on Wednesday nights. If you saw our Instagram, I posted on Instagram uh, just a couple days ago, and I asked these questions, and we asked these questions again on Wednesday night to kind of open up the discussion. We said this, have you felt a bit divided this year? Have you felt torn between eternal purpose and earthly pleasure? Have you felt a battle taking place between the flesh and the spirit? Have you felt unsure of how to navigate an earthly presence with a heavenly perspective? Um, as we have talked about so many times before, this last year was an absolute mess. We kind of all agree on that. Um, but one of the good things that last year reminded us of is the reality that this world is not our eternal home. You know, you kind of look at all the, the craziness of the world around us. You look at all the brokenness, all of the things that seem to be going wrong. And you think, man, like how much worse can this get? You think, where is my place in all of this? But for those of us that have believed the gospel, for those of us that have put our faith in Jesus, for those of us that have believed that God is who he says he is, we acknowledge that we are waiting for an eternal kingdom. We're now living with a, an eternal purpose. We're now living for something beyond this world. And that gives us hope. And so in the book of Romans, Paul lays this out, especially in chapters 1 through 7. He talks all about salvation, how it's by grace, through faith in Jesus. He talks about um, what it means to experience grace. And then in chapter 8, he talks about the hope that we have in Jesus. He starts and says there's no more condemnation for those of us that are in Christ Jesus. He talks about how we're heirs of God in Christ and how we have freedom. Uh, he talks at the end of Romans 8 about how nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And then in chapters 9, 10, and 11, he kind of explains how this works, and he goes into uh, deep doctrine and theology. He talks about uh, the covenant God had with his people Israel. He talks about um, how we've kind of been given this chance to be included in that eternal family and how we're heirs with Christ. And so uh, as we go into chapter 12, we'll lay some groundwork by looking at the end of chapter 11 and just seeing what it is then that Paul says, ending chapter 11, leading into chapter 12, where we'll find ourselves. Chapter 11 of Romans, verse 33, it says this, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments, his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor, or who has first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him. For of him, and through him, and to him are all things to him be glory forever. Amen. And so Paul starts or ends chapter 11, kind of starting into uh, chapter 12. And he says, listen, this God that we serve is far beyond us. Uh, he says, who can know his mind? How, who can give counsel to the Lord? We have to understand in this war that wages in our hearts, in our minds, we have to remember that 
all things belong to God. It's important for us to remember this because a lot of times we we look at things in a vacuum. And so we think, uh, okay, I'm going to um, either pursue earthly pleasures or I'm going to serve an eternal purpose. And one of those is uh, within God's plan and God's purpose. And one of those is outside of God's plan. And so we think um, I can be happy in my way or I can do things God's way. But what we have to understand is that we don't get to to choose between two worlds. Remember, it says of him and to him and through him are all things. We have to remember that all things were created by God's power and for God's glory. We really don't have as much control as we think that we have. If you, you sit here and you say, oh, I, I think I actually do have some control over my life. I think I do have some power. Let me just ask this, this question. In this uh, world, in your life, in your family, in your uh, school, or in your job, if you could change some things, would you? Or let's ask it this way. If you had three wishes, how many people already know how they would use maybe one or two or maybe even all of the wishes if they had them? This points to the reality that if we had control, things would be a lot different in our life. See, if we had as much control as we think, we would change a lot more things in our lives. We have this idea that we have control of our lives and we're going to pursue our way or we can pursue God's way. But the reality is it says all things were created by him and for him. That in this battle for these two kingdoms, we have to remember both the earthly kingdom and this eternal heavenly kingdom are both under God's supervision. And they're either operating within God's control and his uh power and his direct uh, interference or they're happening by his consent but he is aware of all things that are going on and he is in control of all things that are going on the first thing in this battle between the two worlds is we have to remember our place it says how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out it says who could give to him recompense it's, it's saying what is there that we have to give to offer this god he says his ways are past finding out he's, he's saying don't be surprised when you don't understand the world around you don't be surprised when you don't understand the eternal world or the eternal purpose that god is working towards we weren't meant to have all the power and all the answers See, the issue with thinking that we have complete control is that it leads to one of two things. The illusion of control will either lead us to pride or despair. When we forget our place, uh, when we forget that we don't have all the power and all control, it's either going to lead to pride and we're going to think that we have it all together and we're going to say, look how far I've come or look at what I've accomplished or look at what I can do. Or in pride, we'll look at other people and we'll say, I wouldn't have done things that way. I wouldn't have made those mistakes. Or sometimes we'll even look at God in pride and we'll say, man, I don't know why God doesn't fill in the blank. Somebody once said, uh, you know what, if you don't like the way things, uh, God, you don't like the way thing, the way God is doing things, if you don't like the way God's doing things, then you can just make your own universe and do things your way in that universe. 
right? We have this illusion of control that leads us to pride that, oh man, I would do things this way or I have done things this way. Or the opposite is true. We, we fall into this place of depression or brokenness where we say, man, look at all the problems in this world. Look at all that I've done wrong. Look at all the things that I need to correct that I can't change. And we feel powerless and we fall into depression or despair. But right in the middle of those two, of pride and despair, we find humility. We find this biblical concept of humility, of turning control over to God, remembering our place is to remind ourselves that we can put our faith in a God that is in complete control. Even in our mistakes, even in our intentional and open sins, even in our secret sins, even in the good and the bad and the ugly, God says, I'm using all of it for a purpose. And so our response then, we remember our place and we surrender our perspective. We have to step back and surrender our perspective and say, this is much bigger than just what I can see. The Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against powers and spiritual darkness and spiritual wickedness, that stoichia, the elemental forces of this world that seek to enslave us, to hold us down and to keep us in this place of self-reliance. But look at how Paul says it as he goes into chapter 12. He says, chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you, I beg you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you would present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He says, surrender yourselves. He says your reasonable service. And this is the, the reality. If we, we consider the gospel, it's us coming to God in faith and saying, my way has gotten me to this place of loss and brokenness, and I cannot save myself, and I am dependent upon you for saving me. I'm relying on the finished work of Jesus, and I'm giving you control. If we, we acknowledge that as we come to Jesus in faith, we've surrendered ourselves in that moment, then it, it's our reasonable service. It only makes sense that we would continue to surrender control. Doesn't it make sense for us to allow him to keep control, to transform us? How, we, how do we, we surrender control? It's by allowing him to transform us in the renewing of our mind. See, the thing that's important for us to remember is conformity is temporary. Conformation, the, the element of who we are and what we do, uh, it can change. We can conform ourselves. Conformity is, tr is temporary, but transformation lasts forever. You know, this, you think about the example of Plato and the way that it can be molded, it can be shaped and shifted into all these different things, but then at the end of playing with it, it can be compressed back down and put into that, that tub and have the lid stuck back on it. It can be conformed, and what can happen is the world can conform us. Um, it can conform us into its image, where we can become selfish. We can uh, become a person driven by lust, a person that cheats. We can be uh, conformed to the image of a druggie or a partier. Um, but by the way, the, the, the Christian circles, uh, the church is no exception. We have our own little biblical form of worldly confirmation that takes place, and we get turned into the good kid or the rule follower or the Pharisee or the judgmental one or the gossip or the faker. And eventually we can get morphed and conformed into this image of somebody that we barely recognize. 
But the good news is the world doesn't have complete control either. The world only has an illusion of control. And even the conformity that takes place there is only temporary. And that's why in verse 1, he says, I beg you, give yourselves to God. And then verse 2, he says, be transformed in the renewing of your mind. Biblical transformation doesn't just change what we do. It changes who we are. It's something that affects every fiber of our being. It goes beyond uh, just saying, uh, I'm a skateboarder because I skateboard. I'm a, an athlete because I play sports. Or it goes beyond even, I'm a sinner because I sin. Or I'm a good kid because I do good things. No, it goes into the fiber of who we are. We can say, I'm a child of God. I am an heir of God in Christ Jesus. I am a part of the family of God. I am a member of the body of Christ. It's it's who I am. It's my identity. That transformation does something different. That's why the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, faith, patience. These things, yes, they're active attributes, but they become a part of our being. See, we become a loving people. We become a patient person, a peaceful person. That's the difference. This is what happens when we surrender our perspective, when we step back and we say, God, this is way beyond me and I don't understand it, but I'm giving myself over to you. I'm letting you live in and through me. I'm going to let you transform me. We remember our place. We surrender our perspective and we embrace our purpose. We embrace our purpose. That's, that's what happens when we walk in awareness of an eternal kingdom in an eternal purpose that we've been given. Romans 12, verses three through five, it says, for I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. He says, hey, God's given every man a measure of faith. And then he goes on to talk about the part that we play in the body of Christ. And that's what we're going to discuss next week as he kind of unpacks that. But what's important for us to understand as we embrace our own purpose is that you are needed. This world needs you. Your family needs you. Uh, your youth group needs you. Your coworkers need you. Your school needs you. And you step back and you say, well, what if I don't even believe this, this stuff? I'm a skeptic. When I turn uh, 18 or when I uh, get into a different situation, man, I'm going to abandon this whole faith thing altogether. Uh, God has you here in this place, in this time for a purpose. God is in complete control and he's sovereign. You say, well, what if I don't have anything to offer? God wants to use you. There is no one on this planet like you, and God has uniquely qualified you to serve a purpose in his family for his glory. And by the way, that's not to make you feel good about yourself. It's not because you're special. It's not because you on your own are gifted, but it's because God in his sovereign plan has designed each of us to fill a role so that we, as he says in verse five, being many can be one body everyone members one of another that's the point at the very beginning we acknowledged we don't have much control right not like we think we do 
And so what's the point of it all then? You say, well, how do I embrace my purpose? If I don't have any control and God's going to do what God does anyway, what's the point of it all? This is the change. This is the, the semantical difference in our way of thinking that changes it all. We have to stop seeking control and start taking ownership. You say, start taking ownership of what? You start taking ownership of what you can control. Um, you start taking ownership of what God has gifted you with, of the place he has put you, of the situation he has given to you. You start taking ownership of how you respond. Um, Pastor Prater is a guy that's going to be coming to our church in a couple of weeks and sharing his story about how he lost his son. Uh, his son was, I think, 35 years old, and he, he uh, has, has kind of written some things, and he talks about uh, what he says is called how to get through what you'll never get over. And one of the things that he said when we were talking to him is it's not so much what happens to you, but what happens through you. He said you're not as defined by the circumstances in your life, but how you respond to those circumstances. See, so often we get so busy trying to control everything and trying to take control of everything and trying to plan our way and do all of our things so that we can uh, have this illusion that we're the ones that are in charge of our lives. And then we get frustrated or we get into despair or get into this place of brokenness so that we just want to quit and just give up. And I would just encourage you, stop trying to take control, but instead say, I'm going to do my part. What can I change? What can I do? Well, I can allow the Spirit to transform me so that whatever comes my way, I can be a loving person. I can be a patient person. I can be a peaceful person. I can be a person that loves God and loves others. If I want to embrace my eternal purpose, it starts with taking ownership and saying, I am going to be a light and a beacon in this dark and broken and dying world that desperately needs to see people committed to living like Jesus. Stop blaming yourself and others for all that's going on in this world, for all that's going wrong on this side of heaven, and instead start taking ownership and saying, as for me, I'm going to serve Jesus. We can be conformed to the world around us, or we can be transformed for an eternal purpose and live for an eternal kingdom, and the choice is up to us. And so what I'd like to encourage you guys with this week is to just be continuing to study through Romans 12, to be continuing to seek God's direction for how it is that he could have you to own up to this calling that he's given to you, the part that you can play in his eternal mission. Thanks again, guys, for tuning in, and hopefully we'll see you guys next week.